This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC and I'm delighted to say I'm joined for the first time on this podcast by my fellow 7am starter and my fellow lockdown homeschooler, Chris Beasley. Chris, how are you, mate? I'm, I'm good, thank you. Like I said, um, no morning run for the first time in lockdown for me uh, today because of the rain. I could have gone out, but I'm, I'm not that um, mad. But yeah, it, I, think, I think we need that rain. Um, that's been rather dry, hasn't it, through spring? So, um, yeah, at least the, the grass will have a bit of zip in it for when the Premier League does return. It will indeed, mate. Yeah, we've had probably two months of glorious sunshine and, uh, yeah, for the first day in a very long time, we've got a bit of rain. And you, you brought up the Premier League return. It's it's the perfect point to, to start, really, you know. It could be as early as today, couldn't it, mate, that we find out when the first game back for Liverpool at Goodison Park, of all places, against Everton will take place as well as the other remaining fixtures. Uh, the Echo picked up on this last night and I was just looking at the blog that you're manning for, The Echo, today and there's, there's been a story from the Daily Star overnight putting a bit more meat to the bones about when some of the midweek rounds will be and, and one game that Liverpool will have to have moved. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it, it's the uh, the biggest one in the lot in terms of it's, you know, first v second, the... Uh, the defending Premier League champions and champions of the last two seasons against the Premier League champions elect. Yeah, Liverpool's big trip to, uh, well, I say the Etihad, it could be one one of those ones that gets moved for a neutral fixture. But yeah, Liverpool's trip to Manchester City, uh, whatever that may be, looks like it's going to be a a midweek one now. And that's all down to um, the FA Cup, because of course, it's not just the the Premier League that needs finishing. It's it's the, the FA Cup, the world's oldest football competition, which... Unfortunately, for the first time in, it, in its uh, almost 150-year history, we'll have a final played in front of an, an empty stadium and we've got the quarter-finals, semi-finals and finals to come. So, yeah, it looks like straight away, as you said, um, back with the derby, whether that's at Goodison or not, we, we'll wait to see about that one. Um, and then uh, the, the Manchester City game will be moved to, to a midweek game, uh, midweek um, time, I, I suppose doesn't make too much um, difference from the fans because they're not um, being shunted around and having to move around. We're all having to watch from um, the TV screen. But in terms of Jurgen Klopp's team and the, the preparations, uh, yeah, an early midweek one for them to go into. And who knows how it, it pans out. It could well be a, a, a title clincher. It is, yeah, because the first game back, as we say, is Everton. And then it sounds like there could be a midweek round where it would be Liverpool versus Palace. Who knows what happens? It could be the night that Liverpool win the league. It could be earlier. It could be Goodison. But there's every chance it could be the, the Etihad. And, and that was supposed to be taken the weekend after, I presume. But as you mm-hmm. rightly say there, Chris, it could it could be moved to a, a midweek. So the, the, the wait for the title could go to go on. But you, you also mentioned there the fact that we don't know whether the derby at Goodison is going to take place at Goodison or the match at uh, the Etihad between City and Liverpool is going to take place at the Etihad, given... There's some concerns over whether fans would, would congregate out, outside the grounds. I'm not too sure about that myself, but there were there were reports as well that it looked like Liverpool wouldn't be able to play their final four home games at Anfield for the same reason. It, it looks like those reports now have, have proved to be untrue, uh, but as you rightly say, there's not going to be any fans there. And it's it's something that Jurgen Klopp's been speaking to the BBC about, hasn't it, Chris? And uh, we've picked it up on our site. Yeah, <laughs> It, 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 it's, it seems ridiculous to me that you know you, you could have 
50 odd thousand fans in Anfield on a normal match day, or um, short 40,000 for, for Goodison, like, like it would be for the Derby, and uh, the police um, control all of them. But they're talking about troubles with possibly keeping a, a few um, dozen potential troublemakers at bay um, um, within a, a mile of the stadium or something. I mean, it, 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 it seems odd, um, you know, all, unfortunately, all that's going on in in the US at the moment and you know that, that the, the police forces might not be able to um, keep a few, a few troublemakers a, a, away from the ground I mean I'd, I'd like to say to the police well do your jobs um, it, it, it does seem rather heavy handed that you know for since 1888 um, all football league formats have been we play one game at one team's ground. We play the other game at the other team's ground. And okay, for the first time, unfortunately, we're not going to have the fans in there. But at least give it that modicum of sporting integrity to, to have it at the, the two respective grounds. But yeah, there you mentioned Jurgen Klopp himself has, has been weighed in, and you think he even uh, mentioned about um, the uh, it doesn't you know it doesn't really matter whether it's. Um, that the fans are there or not, because unfortunately, it, it, everyone's in the same boat in that respect, in that the home advantage has, has been taken away. And I think he even said um, about the prospect of um, playing on Mars. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he just come out with some of these lines. Imagine that, the red men on the red planet. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> he's, he's kind of, he's, to be fair, he's, he's, he's played it quite nicely, hasn't he, Klopp, when reading quotes like these? Because it, it must be hard for, for Liverpool supporters Basically, not being able to to get the chance to see the the side lift the title at Anfield, but he, he everything he's saying lately. I think in a an earlier interview that we we did yesterday from uh, we picked up from the BBC report where he was saying, "Listen, we're going to have a parade. Don't worry about it when it's safe and, and well to do." So he's almost reassuring Liverpool fans with these interviews, isn't he? Yeah, I think football has always been about the fans, and for you know, especially for for our clubs on Merseyside, the the the, the the power that the fans can have on on, on the uh, the matches and influencing those results, I, I certainly wouldn't want to be one of these teams who are down by the bottom now, um, fighting for relegation, having to go through those last quarter of the season without any supporters. I mean, as great as this Liverpool team are, I mean, can we honestly say that they'd have pulled off that Barcelona re- um, result last season, the second leg, without the, the Anfield factor, without the fans? I mean. Of course they wouldn't. I mean, Liverpool are in a fortunate position now in that the league title is all but wrapped up now with you know, um, a record lead at the summit. But if it had been like last season, it had still been nip and tuck with just a, a point in it or something like that. I mean, that could have had a, a huge influence on, on, on the title race. And it is going to be very bizarre think of these um, last fixtures being played in empty stadiums. I think Jürgen said himself, one of the things, I suppose, one of the first things we pick up watching it on the TV screens, it'll be like watching these academy matches and you'll hear yeah. all the shouts and he said, yeah, you'll hear me telling Mo Salah what to do. <laughs> Maybe he'll have to temper his, his own volume because, you know, he'd be shouting at the, t- the top of his voice normally to be heard over a 50,000 crowd at Anfield, but if, if there's nobody there, well, maybe you won't have to bark out the orders quite as loud. Yeah, completely agree, mate. It's uh, it's a really good point you make there because yeah, understandably those teams at the bottom are worried about not having home fans. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right there. It works both ways, doesn't it? Like Liverpool, 
Barcelona game completely right wouldn't have happened and then you look at our other club on Merseyside Everton how close uh, like the derby games are where Liverpool at this moment yeah. in time are a better team but Everton always give Liverpool a game at Goodison particularly so yeah it definitely does work both ways Yeah I mean Jürgen will, and I think he'd be quite relieved not to be going into that um, Goodison cauldron in the, um, obviously um, there was the last season's derby uh, um Anfield with the, the last gasp um, goal for Origi and uh, Jordan Pickford. So following that, I mean, it was uh, it was a, even more intense, perhaps, than normal um, atmosphere at Goodison. Um, Jurgen seems to let it get to him a bit in the, uh, that altercation with the, the ball boy on, on on the final whistle. I think the young lad had made some um, remark about um, Jurgen's World Cup final quit that he'd made um, in, in the build-up. Um, to the game, um, I think he was actually previewing another match at the time because I was there at Melwood when he said it. But um, yeah, it's a totally different scenario going to an, an, an empty Goodson Park, of course, and uh, I suppose it can play two ways. And um, Everton's players also have an expectation there from the crowd. But certainly, yeah, you, you'd imagine that uh, it would be a much easier ride for Liverpool's players at an empty um, Goodison Park than it would for than, um, imagine all those home fans staying for blood. So that's the main focus for, for Jürgen and the players, that Everton game on the weekend of June 19th and, and 20th. But uh, in the background, there is this business over Timo Werner and this morning there are slightly conflicting mm-hmm. reports from Sky Sports and The Telegraph about when the uh, the striker's release clause expires with uh, RB Leipzig and, and what Liverpool are planning to do about it. If you can just fill us in on those reports, mate. Yeah, of course. Um, it, it's always been this idea that Liverpool need to get the deal done early so that they can get him for the, um, the, the release um, clause before um, that expires. Of course, in 12 months' time, it goes down to a lower price again, I think somewhere in the region of 36 million. And the idea was that you had to get it done quick to get in done for a, I wouldn't say a knockdown price, but a, a price that wouldn't be in, inflated. But the whole transfer um, structure now has been realigned because of um, the economic impact of the coronavirus, the worldwide COVID-19 um, p- pandemic. And Liverpool seem quite relaxed about this, the fact that they haven't rushed in. I, I believe that, they, that they're looking at the way things have been realigned now from a financial point of view and it, w- it would seem that they feel that they don't need to be um, guided by the release clause because they, they could get the player for less given how market values have maybe not plummeted but certainly uh, prices have been reduced because of what's gone on. Um, they probably think that they can actually um, negotiate the deal for less so that's why I think they seem to be it would seem taking a, a relaxed approach to this. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think Sky is saying the 15th of June, this £49 million release clause and the Telegraph is saying June June the 12th. But yeah, you're right, mate. It does, right. seem, to, it does seem to feel like, you know, it, OK, you've got this date to, to get what is would be before all this business started, a reasonable price for a, a, a goal scorer of his uh, reputation, £50 million. Mm-hmm. Pounds. But yeah, you, you're completely right. Why not wait? And it does seem to, to suggest that Liverpool will be doing it. And I know that's what the, the Telegraph is saying there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the, the thrust of the, the line is that Chelsea could um, come in and uh, take Timo Werner, this this player who's been so vocal in that in that his ambition to to come to Liverpool, his admiration for the Reds. They could take him from from under Liverpool's noses, but I 
think Jurgen Klopp and uh, the Anfield hierarchy, uh, FSG and you know transfer guru Mr Edwards would be so naive to just let this um, be the the big uh, fish that the the one that got away. Um, surely they they've got a handle on uh, what the situation is and uh, what Werner's market value will be now. So. Yeah, it all, I mean, whether it's um, June the 12th, June the 15th, that's just a, a matter of days. They, they, they'll know exactly when it is, but it doesn't seem to, to matter to them now. They're, they're ready to, to play the waiting game and, like I say, negotiate downwards. Definitely. Just a final one. Uh, you do some excellent writing for the Echo, uh, feature writing and, and, and nostalgia writing, and there's a, a piece I'm sure you enjoyed this morning by by Dan Kay, our colleague. Uh, it's 10 years to the go since Rafa Benitez left Liverpool and, and, and Dan's been discussing what he believes could be his greatest legacy to the club. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, Rafa Benitez remains a, a hugely popular um, figure, um, retaining the, 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 the family um, home on Merseyside. Of course, with um, the, the, the very poignant £96,000 um, donation to the, the, the Hillsborough um, fund that uh, was a really na- uh, nice gesture when he left. But, I mean, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was strange, really, in that he had this, this, this fairy tale start with the, um, the Champions League victory in, in his, his first season there. That's heavily Steven Gerrard um, inspired, as was the... Uh, the FA Cup win uh, the following year, but I mean over the the, the, the six year um, tenure that he, he had at Hanfield, things did get, uh, go somewhat stale towards um, the end. But um, yeah, I mean uh, um, Dan um, mentions that uh, uh, giving FSG a, a major helping hand was um, perhaps his greatest legacy. Yeah, because he was saying that the the battle with Hicks and Gillette, the fact that he brought it to the public foot, you know, to the to, to the public mind, didn't he? Because you forget that in the in the back, I know there was the time when Torres came in and everything seemed great on the surface, but it was pretty clear that things were going badly in the background. And, and certainly Rafa, like he has been at all clubs, is is never slow in coming forward, is he? Really, but as Dan says, it, it may have helped really by bringing those problems to the. To the wider to the wider circulation, and then you know we all know what happened next. FFG's coming in, and, and ten years later, it's a completely different club. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it was never um, backwards in, in coming forwards. Whether it was um, managerial mind games with uh, opposition bosses, uh, or like you say, the, the actual the hierarchy of the club, um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's ushered in a, a totally. Um, Different era now. I mean, unfortunately for, for Rafa, they they obviously came in um, in the autumn just at, just after he'd gone. It was in in, in Roy Hodgson's um, time at the club, so he didn't um, get to feel the benefits of uh, the, the the steady hand at the tiller, which is proven. Obviously, they didn't get things right straight away. Um, they, uh, a few bumps on the road, but generally, obviously, it's it's been a it's been a much more um, the way the club is being run um, you know, experienced people from the, the time they've done well at, at the Boston Red Sox and they've been able to translate that into um, the European sport and um, into making um, a, a Liverpool a, a major force both on and off the field again now obviously the, the new Nike kit, kit deal just kicking in at the time that Liverpool will um, end the, the longest title drought in, in, in the club's 
history. And you, yeah, you just look at where they were a decade ago when when Benitez left the club and uh, where where they're at now, and uh, it's it's totally different, and, and and all for the better for Liverpool fans. And, and I must say also today. Uh, anniversary of actually another anniversary today is actually the anniversary of the club being formed in, in, in 1892 so yeah if you look at them now I mean they're arguably in a stronger position um, as they, they've ever been in that in, entire history I mean that's the perfect place to finish thanks very much Chris for, for coming on the pod mate really appreciate it Thank you, you're welcome. No problem, that's all your headlines for this morning. There's loads more stories to catch up with on the Liverpool Echoes website, including, I think we've got the results of the great football lockdown survey that we've been pushing at the start of the podcast. Uh, and yeah, Chris is manning the blog till 7 till 3 today, so you can make sure you keep up to date with all the Liverpool FC news on there. And then we'll have another podcast this afternoon. Josh Williams and Dave Hughes are back with Analyzing Anfield. But up until then, bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.